This is Luke Desperado from Fraun, and you're listening to The Naked Truth with John Cohen. Hello, and welcome to The Naked Truth. This is the podcast that dares to go where others won't. We will do interviews. We will talk about controversial topics. We might even blow your mind. Please note some of the names, dates, actual events, and places might be changed to protect our highly esteemed guests. Welcome to the Naked Truth. Truth. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Naked Truth. Today's guest I'm very excited about. His name is Derek Von Dangerson, a very, very interesting last name. I actually grew up with some Von Dangerzones uh, in my youth, and I'm excited to ask Derek about that. Um, and he is currently living abroad, and that's what makes him a little bit interesting, teaching English. And right now he's living in New Zealand and teaching, uh, I believe it's English. Um, but although that doesn't really make a lot of sense because they speak English in New Zealand. So thanks again, research team. Uh, but without further ado, I'd like to introduce Derek. Derek, welcome to the program. Thank you, John. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Yeah. How's life in, uh, in New Zealand? Um, I wouldn't know. Uh, I'm actually in Thailand, but uh, I hear New Zealand's oh. really nice. Yeah, you should check it out. Yeah, yeah, but Thailand's nice too. It's so. Can you tell the listeners what life is like over there? Um, well, I think it's interesting because I'm not sure what it was like before COVID, but right now, like COVID life is very different. Um, there's no tourists here, and so there's very few international travelers. Um, so in Thailand, it's kind of known for its tourism. So it's just, it's a it's a different world. I think maybe a little bit more authentic of just the Thai people. And so it's just, it's a kind of a unique situation. I get to go to some some tourist attractions and and they're empty where normally it would be overflowing with, with people. So it's a unique experience right now. For you, what is the biggest surprise living in a foreign country that maybe you didn't anticipate? I don't know. I think right now I've noticed that like how normal it's become. I've been here for about three months and that like it's just become like normal to be here, even though I'm in a country where I don't understand the language. Um, I have can't really communicate with people or read menus or anything like that. But like it's just become I've become more accustomed to it. And I think that's um, something that I didn't really expect. Yeah, you kind of get into your routine a little bit, and 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 I, I felt the same thing in Costa Rica. It was like I got into my same routine that I had in the states. Uh, as I follow you on Facebook, and it's Derek Von Danger Zone on Facebook for all of you who want to follow him. Your thing is the rafting. I mean, you post a lot about rafting. So talk about how the evolution of the raft and and how that got started. And I actually had a, I actually had a chance to when Derek was still in the states to do a little raft trip with him. Talk about how, how that came about for you. 
Yeah, I never thought rafting was going to become like a, a driving force in my life and uh, kind of a passion of mine. But it started about 20 years ago. Um, my friends and I just going up to a, a lake in Crested Butte, Colorado. Um, we had to hike in there. So we wanted like a small inflatable boat that we could take up there. And it would just became like this summer party thing. A bunch of us would go up there with boats, bring beers and float around and uh, just enjoy the summer. And then it became like, well, I wonder if we can float down this river. And then like we started getting more adventurous and then it became like, I'm gonna hike to this other lake. And then it was like, well, can I hike even higher? Like what elevation is this one? And so then it became just like this progression of like, all right, can I run the whitewater park? You know, and like, and so I'm starting to go through like class two, class three stuff. And, and it just became like this, this challenge to myself, like how far can I carry this boat? How, what elevation can I go to? And um, so it's just been, it's been really fun for over 20 years now. I traveled in Central America for two and a half months and I brought a boat with me and uh, paddled around in, in Mexico and Guatemala and El Salvador, really just weirding out the locals. They're like, who is this gringo in this orange boat floating around? And so when I was coming to Thailand, I was like, I gotta, I have to bring my boat. And, uh, and it's been actually my, my savior here because like, I, I kind of gave up a lot of things to come here. Like I gave up snowboarding and there's not a lot of trails, so there's not much hiking, but the boating is really what, uh, has brought me peace and, and joy while I've been abroad. It's something familiar too. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome that you can kind of take that passion that you had and, and bring it over. And it's that familiar piece that common thread that you can bring over to this country and you know watching some of your posts i mean the one one of the ones that stands out for me is when you posted going to james bond island do you know what james bond films were filmed there or what film um yeah it's the man with the golden gun that's what i thought okay yeah that's which, cool which is a yeah. great movie and it was just a it was really cool to be there it was one of the most stunningly beautiful places i've ever been normally before COVID, that place is overrun with boats and people. And when we got there, we were the first boat. And so had it, a few more boats showed up, but like we had it to ourselves for a little bit. That's cool. And I think that's a Roger Moore. I think Roger Moore was playing Bond in that movie, if I'm not mistaken. The Man with the Golden Gun, yeah, I believe. I think so too. Yeah, that's a great movie. Yeah, your pictures just brought it all back when I looked at your pictures of that and it just kind of recognized it instantly. It's pretty recognizable. It's pretty unique that that rock structure in the island. Yeah. Since we're talked about social media a little bit, you know, obviously you're making a lot of use of it, and as did I when I lived abroad. And what does that do for you? And and to get all the comments and the likes and all that stuff, and somebody living abroad, yeah, what does that do for you? I guess, uh, and and what does that bring home for you? Um, it's been incredibly helpful. I know. Facebook gets a lot of negative press and social media in general. And I can see why I, I do think it creates like depression and desire and other, you know, like it's a way of bragging online face brag, but like um, it's a way for me to stay connected with friends and family to keep them kind of updated on what's going on. Like I don't talk to a lot of people. There's only a couple other foreigners here, Farangs they're called. You're the first person I've talked to in like, 36 hours other than my food panda delivery guy. <laughs> I don't, I don't have a, an option to like interact with people and have those. If I go to the store, typically people don't speak English. Um, I can't communicate in Thai. Facebook has really helped me 
just feel like I still have a connection with my friends and that like, I feel like there's a core group that are like kind of really interested in, in my life and abroad. And so I love having them make jokes, ask questions, things like that. It's just, it's really helpful for me to feel connected where I feel pretty disconnected right now. Yeah. And I can relate because that's exactly that feeling I felt living abroad. And I, I would tell people I could go three or four days without seeing anybody or talking to anybody. And when I got home from Costa Rica, and, and a lot of people don't know this, um, I was so raw that I would watch commercials and start crying, literally, because I was just so stripped. And then I was just starved for that interaction with people. And I remember I, I started dating when I got home. And I remember the first person I talked to on the phone, I just talked her ear off and she's like, I got to go, <laughs> you know, yeah. and that's just generally, that's generally not me. Yeah, that's not, it's not me. I'm not going to talk your ear off. It was just the isolation part that really affected me. And, and I didn't even know it until I got back. And I was just like, I just felt complete. My defenses were stripped and I felt completely raw from that experience. And it was as magical as I'm sure you've had all these magical moments. It was magical for me as well. And I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't trade it. But it was as challenging as it was magical for me. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's part of what like most magical experiences a lot of times are a challenge at some point, you know, that's what makes them so great. And, but I had a, a situation where I met some, some other foreigners. I was being held against my will at a tropical Island uh, in COVID quarantine that I didn't know. I met these two European guys. And when I was talking to them and like having like, I had like this pressured speech, like I, like I couldn't get the words out fast enough to like, I was so excited to talk to other people and talk about travel and like to understand what they're, it wasn't broken English. Like they spoke good English. And, and so it was just, it was really interesting how I noticed that I was like verbal diarrhea is just like talking as much as possible yeah. and trying to share everything. And like, and it just, I was like, wow, I've been spending way too much time alone. So talk about what you're doing, why you came to Thailand in the first place. What was that all about? Well, my dream has always been to travel the world and get paid for it. And I just couldn't figure out how to do that. Teaching English uh, was just, it's a, it's a great way to be able to travel and get and make money. I've wanted to do it for 10 years, but I have a fear of public speaking and it's just really held me back. And I just didn't really have faith in myself. And after, also I thought like the isolation would be really difficult. And it was really um, living in Idaho that kind of pushed me into I was so isolated already in the town of Gooding. I was like, you know what? And I just remember like walking back to my car from a group on a on a snowy night and just being like, you know, I want to go somewhere tropical. <laughs> and like it was just I was like, I'm I think I'm done with Idaho. I'm done with winter right now. But so so yeah, teaching English was just a way to do this. Right now I work with uh ages like grade two and three. So they're like eight, nine years old. I've never worked with that demographic of kids before. I've always worked with like teens or young adults. And so it's it's been a really big challenge uh, for me. And also just like getting up there, like I said, like a fear of public speaking. But like this is a good way to get over it is to talk in front of a bunch of kids that don't understand English anyways. And so you can say something stupid and they won't know. And, and also <laughs> like they, you, you want to be silly. Um, like I really have to like, 
just, I mean, if my friends saw me like up in front of the classroom and I'm like singing and dancing to these children's songs, it just would be hilarious. I'm glad no one's seeing it. But like, I just have to like let go of that and I have to let myself be silly and just like, cause I have to sell it to the kids so that they're willing to be silly. And so it's just been a, a really great challenge for me. Just some struggles I've had personally that I'm overcoming. Uh, but also I feel like I always want to do something where I'm, I'm helping others. And I feel like teaching English is a great way to kind of help these kids to maybe break them out of a cycle of poverty for some of them. Their job opportunities uh, will greatly increase if they're able to speak English. Maybe it gets them out of their town. They can go work in a resort community or something like that, potentially make a lot more money. So I do feel like I'm still like helping these kids only like half of them maybe take it seriously. The rest really don't care. I do feel like I'm, I'm helping them. Yeah. It's, it's been, it's, and it's really cool to like hear them using like something that you've taught them as well. And sure. You mentioned about the whole thing about letting go. And I, that's exactly what I found is letting go of your comfort zone and doing things you probably would never do or have done before. And I think living in a foreign country really represents a lot of that in a lot of ways, right? It challenges you. You're, you're out of your comfort zone. For me, I had all kinds of health issues. It was like starting over. I got, and I, I'm, I'm a picture of health here. I just, so I think it pushed me in ways I never imagined. And I think what you, what I hear you saying is, you're taking those experiences, getting out of your comfort zone and saying like, hey, this is this is going to help me grow as a person and I can just let go because I'm in Thailand and really who's going to see this anyways? It makes it a little bit more safer for you to kind of do that. Yeah, absolutely. There's uh, in some ways, there's a lot of anonymity where like, yeah, I feel like no one really knows me. But at the same time, I'm like one of the only white people in town. So in the same way, like everyone knows me. So like I see my students around like town as well and stuff. And so like it's kind of this weird balance of where like no one knows me. This, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. But at the same time, it does in this community, but just not outside of this community. You are you aren't anonymous at the same time. Yeah. So before we move on, uh, I just want to remind everybody where they can find The Naked Truth. Uh, you can find it on Google, Apple, and Spotify. You can send us uh, an inquiry, some feedback, or if you want to be on the show, it's thenakedtruth2021 at gmail.com. So we're going to move on to some listener questions. So these are questions that people write in. Before we get to the questions, Derek and I did work together, known each other for a few years. We worked together in a therapy setting and uh, that's kind of our background and we've kept in touch off and on and uh, kind of connected with each other. We're both single guys. Um, we're both adventurous. We both like taking risks. We both live in a foreign country. So I thought he'd be a really interesting guest to have on the show. Listener questions. Here we go. How does somebody get to go on a date with you? And that's from that's from that's from Julie, and she is in Memphis, Tennessee. Oh, okay, Julie. Um, asking is a great start. I love that. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, for me, like I I can be shy. I'm not always going to make the first move. So you know, sometimes you know the 
the woman, woman needs to come and approach me. And um, but normally I just have to be someone that's fun, um, fun and adventurous. Um, and yeah, willing to kind of push themselves a little bit and, uh, and enjoy inflatable boats really, because that's typically going to be our first date. <laughs> a lot of times I'm like, Hey, I, I got this inflatable boat. You want to go, go for a float with me? And they're like, okay, that's different. And, uh, and so that's a lot of times, um, how it goes. Has anyone ever said you had me at inflatable? <laughs> Not yet, but I, I think, yeah, <laughs> but maybe someday. Yeah. Okay. I think you got your girl if that ever happens. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And let's talk about being a single guy. We're roughly in the same age group. What are, what are the challenges you find today in, in dating? Obviously, pre-Thailand, because that's a whole different conversation. But what do you find just are some of the challenges as you get older and and dating and the difficulties of dating? Is this pre-COVID as well? Because I feel like I've been in... I've been struggling yeah. the last like two years because, well, I was in Idaho yeah. and then COVID hit yeah. and now I'm in Thailand. Yeah. So like, I feel like I've been not in a great dating place for a while. Idaho was traumatizing dating there. Um, had some weird <laughs> situations. Yeah. I, I think it's at this age, I think it's tough where like, like, do they have kids at home? Some women, their kids have already graduated, have moved out of the house. Or just, yeah, like, I don't know, some are just looking to get married, like right out of the gate, like pretty much one girl in Idaho was like, you know, like pretty much like it was like an application for her next husband. And um, and so that's kind of like, you know, not sure that's what I'm looking for. So and I, I think also just online dating, which is so like way more acceptable, but it's it's also totally different. I feel like when you meet someone online and then you just hang out with this random person as opposed to the old school way of um, meeting people at work, meeting people through friends, you know, where you kind of have a, a connection with them already and then you go on a date. So I think that's something I've noticed too. It's just, if I meet someone on Tinder, I think things go a lot faster, a lot quicker than if I meet someone just through friends or something like that. Yeah. I think, it's interesting how nobody really meets anyone organically very much anymore. Right. Yeah. And I think that's the way it used to be when we were younger. And I think as we got, as we get older and see the dating protocol shift to this very online swipe left, swipe right, this quick, quick, you look, you know, you're cute. I'll swipe right kind of society. I think it becomes much more difficult. I think you have to go through, a lot of people to find one that, okay, I think this might work. You know, I think it's, it's a numbers game, but my friend, I have a friend named Mark, Mark, if you're listening. Um, and he always said, it's a numbers game. Right. And that was, that always stuck with me. And it's become that instead of just meeting, meeting somebody organically. And I mean, that's always worked out better for me. And I'm sure you it's just meeting somebody organically. But you know, if you go up to somebody in the frozen food section, at the supermarket and start talking to them, they're going to think you're a creep. Yeah, for sure. I've never been that guy that could do that anyways. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, I think it's just interesting where we are today and in, in this society and how that's come full circle. And I think Derek and I have had many conversations about this as we kind of had our dating woes in Idaho and 
And then I just want to add to that with on, on Tinder as well is like I think it's interesting that a lot of times like I think people just like matching because it makes them feel good, makes them feel wanted, but they don't actually want to pursue because like I've had plenty of matches where I'm like, I was like, ah, actually, I don't know why I matched with you or someone else. And I reach out to them and they never respond to me. And so I was like, okay, you're not really that interested anyways. And so even on, on Tinder and other, other apps, like you can match with someone and then nothing comes of it. And so, um, so like you said, it's a numbers game. Like you, you get, you know, 20 matches, maybe you chat with five of them and maybe meet up with one. And then you go on two dates and you're like, you're back to the drawing board. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. I mean, that's, that's the difficulty. All right. Next question. This comes from Frank in Albuquerque, New Mexico. He says, how is dating similar to rafting? <laughs> Great question, Frank. I'm thinking that a good relationship, you know, my, my boat is very supportive and, and comfortable um, on a very literal sense here that like, if I'm in a relationship, I want someone that um, is supportive and someone that I'm comfortable uh, being around. Rafting also inspires me to explore more. So like I want a partner that like I want to go on adventures with. I'm always looking for new experiences. And so having a partner that's down for going on those weekend adventures or whatever it is to go do something unique and different that we've never done before. Nice answer. I like that. Uh, next question from Joe from New York City, the Big Apple. He says, Derek, you slimy bastard. You still owe me 500 bucks. I don't actually think that's a question. Is that a question? I don't think that's a question. I don't know if that's a question. What was his name again? Joe. Uh, is that ringing bells? Oh, yeah. Skip that one. I don't want him to know where I okay. am. Well, if he thinks you're in New Zealand, I think you're good. Yeah. Um, this one comes from April. Uh, April is actually in Vancouver, Canada. And she says, what's your biggest challenge teaching English in a foreign country? The biggest challenge is behavior management, I would say, um, which I did not expect. After 10 years of working with at-risk youth, I thought I was, I felt pretty confident in my ability to uh, kind of manage uh, some, some difficult kids, but like, I've never been outnumbered like this before, like 30 kids to one. And, and that's, my, that's my biggest struggle is, and also like 50, imagine like when you're a kid that like you had, you know, a substitute teacher came in. And now imagine that substitute teacher didn't speak English and how much stuff you could get away with. And like, you can just talk <laughs> it, to your friends and they have no idea. So these kids know that I don't know what they're saying and that they don't really know what I'm saying. And so it creates this really weird dynamic, right? It's, it's really good challenge for my patients and also to like not getting attached to outcomes. Yelling doesn't help. It just doesn't like <laughs> it. It doesn't make me feel good. It doesn't make them feel good. And so it's it's more just like trying to to win them over with rapport. And I do. I have some students who really like me, and they tell everyone else to shut up, which is nice. <laughs> I, I've pulled some <laughs> into my inner circle, and uh, and now they help enforce, you know, in, in the classroom. So 
Do you ever think like, did I really act like that when I was that age? Did it ever cross your mind? Yeah, I try to think about that. And I definitely like have been the class clown, I think more in high school. At that age, I was more like a goody two shoot. Like I, I tried to do everything right. So I was kind of surprised like these, how wild these kids are. Like, I mean, there's points where like, there's like three paper airplanes up in the air at one given time and people are like shouting and it's like just absolute chaos in there. And I'm like, they're like eight, nine years old, you know, like it's, they're adorable, incredibly loud. Um, it's just unbelievable yeah. how loud it is and how they actually have microphones in the room that I can use. So I can just drown them out. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Well, those are some great questions. I've got a couple more questions for you. First one is, what is your message to all the single ladies out there listening right now? I would say you're awfully brave dating men. Men are, I, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it takes a lot of courage. My last question for you, and this is how I wrap up every podcast, as you know, what is your naked truth? truth, 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 truth. My naked truth, and I've been thinking about this because I heard your other other podcasts. I'd say a big thing for me is that like how my insecurity has like affected my life. It's held me back from doing a lot of things I wanted to do because I was too insecure. I didn't feel confident in it, but I've also learned to be driven by fear. Like if something scares me, then I'm also drawn to it. Kind of like the overcoming public speaking and things like that. Like, okay, well, maybe if I go teach English, that'll be a good way to practice that. So even though like fear kind of, I struggle with fear all the time. I'm actually afraid of a lot of things, but it also then becomes a challenge for me to overcome those fears. So like it becomes a driving force. And uh, one of my favorite quotes is everything you desire is on the other side of fear there's something I want, but there's a hurdle of something and I have to get over that hurdle. I'd say that's my naked truth. Thank you, Derek Von Dangerson. You've been a wonderful guest today on The Naked Truth. Thank you, John. I appreciate you taking the time for this and we will talk sometime in the future. This has been a Naked Truth production. Because this is such a raw and truthful show, you may be experiencing some of the following symptoms. Heart palpitations, shortness of breath, fever, nausea, dry skin, vomiting, clammy skin, fainting, dizziness, and rash. If you were experiencing any of these, please get medical help immediately. Thank you for listening.